Welcome to Good Service. We are your hosts, Ben Chung. And Kevin Zha. Each week, we'll be breaking bread and having real, raw, and vulnerable talks about life, faith, and everything in between, and always over a fire meal. Thanks for joining our table today. Let's eat. Folks, welcome or welcome back to Good Service. We are your hosts, Ben. And Kevin. And we have our amazingly talented friend in the pod today. We have Ooh. filmmaker, actor, pastor, musician, great guy. Great guy. Kenneth Chang <laughs> is in the pod today. Hey, hey thank you. Thank hey. you. Thanks for having well, welcome, me. Welcome. I'm so welcome. excited. Uh, we're excited to have you, man. Uh, what's up? <laughs> man. Yeah, what is up? How are you? Um, I'm good. I'm good. So like, as you guys probably know, like working on like really creative projects, like you get so immersed in the yeah. project itself yeah, that you forget about like developing this Ooh. right in here, Ooh. who you are. So uh -huh. I've been like balancing. Uh, and then I just started looking for a spiritual director for somebody that I can oh. meet with once a month through Susan. She's, she connected me with oh, some yeah. people. Um, so that I can just check in once a month and say, this is how my soul is doing. So that's where I'm at right now. Creative uh, projects and this project, yeah, soul project. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, let's get into a little bit of uh, background of all that. I mean, I just, I just mentioned a bunch of titles uh, for you. Uh, give us the order, like what, what's, what came first? And then I'd love to even <laughs> like get into the ministry side of things as be became a pastor and yeah so, so from first? like the origin story sure yeah, of man. All that? yeah. yeah. How, how did that all happen i even heard a musician in there right you said that i was in his music video he he was yeah. he okay. killed it he I, just, like uh, what i was actually super met? honored now so he's uh i met him through my brother so i always just kind of knew him as my brother's friend oh and then and then um he hit me up about being in his music video, I'm like, I didn't even know you did music. Wow. <laughs> I, I just knew you as a as a pastor, and then um, he had this really dope concept, and wow. um, I, I even kind of acted in it a little bit. He did. He killed it. A little bit of acting. Whoa. And, whoa, um, whoa. and then a lot of bit of dancing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, let's jump into that. How, what? The, like, I didn't even yeah. know any of this stuff. So. Yeah. Get in. What came yeah. first? What came first? Okay. So you said a great guy came first great guy yes let's start with that yeah uh born in los angeles uh been here my whole life from elementary school all the way to ucla only child to my parents my mom is an artist mm. uh and my dad is a handyman and he's been doing that for for a long time and um it's only since i was i think college or high school like they they came back together and started living together mm. And that's a whole story in itself. But ever since I can remember, I grew up in the Korean church. I probably went to every single Korean church in Los Angeles. <laughs> I can just spot them off. But like, yeah. I've been to like every Korean church. Wow. And that's just because I think uh, my mom raised me as a single mom. And I think the only source of community, safety, like some kind of meaning other than her, you know, nine to five and raising me was a church. But also it was free daycare. Like she could just like drop me wow. off. And Korean churches, they had like Taekwondo classes. 
Yeah. They had like, you know, Korean classes, all of the above. Yeah. So I would just go there on Sundays from morning to evening, but your mom would drop, just drop you off at church. Yeah. Sorry, mom. Like just put, throwing you under the bus, but like, yeah, I think she would just drop me <laughs> off and be like, Oh God, thank God. Like yeah. just go off. But she would do that. But then I would, she would come home and be like, what did you learn today? And I'd be like, Oh, today Jesus saw a man that was blind and then he spit on mud and he put it on his eyes. And he says, you know, your faith has healed you or something like that. And she would tell me that the secondhand storytelling of me telling her what I learned would really move her. And so she would go to church and she'd be like, oh, I wanna hear for myself. Wow. And oh, so, so she wasn't even going to church with you. She would just drop you off and then curiously ask you what you learned. So it wasn't like you were going to church with your mom? I think at first, yeah, uh, I think at first that's what it was. And then she started getting involved and then she, she really liked uh, church. Um, and so, yeah, fast forward, like I was 19 years old. Uh, I, I've been in the Korean church for so long. My mom found a newspaper clipping in the Korean times. And it was like, we're looking for a youth pastor. She's like, this is perfect for you. And I was like, mom, I didn't go to seminary school. Like, yeah. I don't know. How old were you? 19. I was a kid. <laughs> I didn't know what the heck I was doing. Yeah. Um, so um, she's like, just call them. Okay. So I call them and they're like, do you have any seminary experience? I was like, no. Okay, like, do you have a passion? I was like, yeah, of course, I have a passion for the church. And- um, Now, was that because you like grew up in the church? Is that where the passion's from? Or was there like some significant moment where you're just like, I love God? Yeah, I think there's two moments. Mm -hmm. So I went to Oriental Mission Church when I was, when I was six years old. And my pastor knew that my dad wasn't around and there was a lot of trouble and stuff like happening Japan in my family. split up when you were young? So my dad was uh, at casinos basically. And mm. he uh, was gambling a lot and that created a rift in our family because a lot of the money we saved up to buy down payments on houses and things like that. I feel that man. That mm. was just, just mm. gone. And so he would, I think in his mind, go back to win it back but it just became this like cycle. Right. Uh, and just brief context, he's a survivor of the Korean War. I think this was his way of dealing with pain. Anytime he felt any kind of discomfort or pain, he knew he's either gonna fight or run. And the best way for him to run is to be absorbed into you know, gambling. And mm. honestly, a film I'd love to make in the future is like a gambling film, especially with like Asian American family. Um, but I digress. So there was a man named Pastor Kim who called himself Shalom Man. What? Yeah. Shalom Man. Yeah, so he would walk in and then there was like the elementary department, like, and he would walk in and be like, Shalom. And all these Korean kids would be like, Shalom, right? <laughs> and uh, we loved him because he wouldn't just give a sermon, he would do skits, he would act. He came dressed up as Jesus. And on, one time during a VBS skit, dude, he like dude, straight awesome. up, like had like real blood with the, uh, not real blood, but blood, but with, they did a whole crucifixion thing. I don't know how they did it, but I just remember wow. as a kid, we were all just like, whoa. Like, yeah, and it was all just Korean people, like putting on this like production. But anyway, I think my mom pulled him aside and said, hey, I think Kenneth really needs help. He needs like some kind of like voice from a man who is a person of faith. and. He sat me down. I remember I was what, six, seven years old. And he's like, I'm gonna pray for you. And I was like, yeah, sure. Like I wanted to go to lunch, but okay. And he started praying and he was like, 
Lord, may Kenneth be the leader of the future, the captain of the future. May he be the leader of the future, captain of the future. And I just remember, even at a seven-year-old mindset, I just remember, oh, that's not like just an ordinary prayer. That's, mm. a, that's a mantle that's, that has some weight to it. Mm. And I just never could shake that. And by the time I went to, uh, we moved into a church when I was in fifth grade. My dad was the uh, live-in janitor for a church on Western. By the time we moved into there, um, like I had this sense that God was like pulling me towards like ministry. Cause like at a young age, I would tell my mom, I'm gonna be a lawyer and on the weekends, a pastor. <laughs> and when, um, it's like the perfect Korean human. Yeah. I know, I know, the perfect yes. Korean human, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. But but what my mom wasn't, she didn't really quite understand was she was buying me VHS tapes all the time. And I would watch these movies made by Steven Spielberg, watch E.T. And I would have these spiritual experiences watching these movies. Lion King, I had the spiritual experience. While all my friends were like, oh, I loved Lion King, I'd be weeping. And I wouldn't quite understand why these films would speak to me, mm. but films are able to give us language to make sense of what's going on in our heart and in our mind. I think that's the beauty of art, is that we can't even pinpoint the emotions and the things we're wrestling with, but film allows us to do that. Mm. And so, long story short, sorry, this is a long story long. Basically, I met this church fifth grade, my parents are like, we're gonna go. So this, my dad was in and out of my life, by the way. But when he was living with us at this church, one evening, he woke me up and he says, hey, we're getting our sleeping bags. We're going to the main sanctuary. It's just gonna be for fun. So three of us went into this giant main sanctuary in our sleeping bags and we're sleeping. I'm in my underwear, I'm like 10 years old. And my parents are like, go up on the pulpit. And I was like, oh, what? Like, is that okay? He's like, yeah, yeah, go up on the pulpit. Like, just like, go ahead, like, just have mm -hmm. fun. And I went up in my whitey uh, you know, like this in my is underwear. A very funny picture in my head. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, you see this little Korean kid with like white underwear, and I get up on this podium, and my parents like go for it, and I just was like, you know, God loves us, and it just it was just flowing, it was Whoa. it was wild. I was ten years old, I didn't even really know what I was saying, but I just knew I was up there for like a good thirty minutes, and I was just imitating what I saw from my pastors. But this was the first time in my life I felt this sense of a presence in that room. And it was so thick. And I felt this presence was like, I am happy with what I'm seeing. Whoa, dude. And so That's to wild. answer your question, those two things kind of carried me to the time when I was starting to be a youth pastor at 19. Wow. Yeah. Wow, wow. Yeah. That's dope. Yeah, that's yeah. dope. That's crazy, yeah, so. actually. Well, that's a perfect segue to get into uh, our wonderful meal. I think I'm just hungry because it's just sitting right <laughs> yeah, in front yeah, of yeah. my face. So let's get into the food. Um, what, are, what are we enjoying today, Kev? Uh, we are enjoying, you know me, hand roll. So today we got a, uh, we got the hand roll kit and we got some cut rolls. Let's go. So I'm gonna, I actually, uh, last time we had it all open, but this time we wanted to show the box because yes. it was so pretty. It's so I'm gonna open it box. now in front of the camera real quick. So now we're gonna do an unboxing. Basically, I'm adding rice, then I'm adding some of the fish, some of the cucumber, and you gotta add the shrimp, and then I'm gonna roll it up. And then this is it right here, and you eat it. 
Let's see. <laughs> ASMR right there. Dude, that's good. That's the bomb. I'm, uh, this wow, that's like really tuna. fresh. I'm gonna just share your soy sauce. That's a lot no, more fresh than I thought. That was sick. Guys, thank you so much. This is so delicious. Mm -hmm. mm. Shout out, you know me, man. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now, at 19 years old, you see the ad, right? Your mom sees the ad, and you're going, hey, you know, there's this opening for youth pastor. You take the gig. You're in it, right? You get the gig, I'm assuming. I did. You did. Okay. So after you get the gig, when were you like, did you have a moment of like, what am I doing? <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. I think the very first Sunday. Oh, nice. Yeah, I showed oh, up so like. You, you, this is still no seminary. You haven't gone. No yet. seminary. This is all just Bro. like secondhand what I received from other pastors watching things on TV. At the time, like, um, I would watch like Joel Osteen and stuff like that. Okay. Like, you know, like wow. back then it was like, uh, <laughs> like I'm a kid, like I don't know better. So anybody that proclaims that they are speaking the gospel or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and so for like three years, like what I did well was I think I loved those students. But what was hard for me was like, I didn't really have this theological framework to really teach at a level that I think they needed. At the same time, they were like, they were kind of rascals. <laughs> Just like yeah, always yeah. like causing trouble, but that's fine, like it was fun. Yeah. So when was seminary then? When were you like, I need to get like, yeah. I need to get serious. Like I need to get equipped. I need like knowledge. Like when was this? Yeah, so that was in 2014. I went to Fuller Theological Seminary. Before that, I um, really wanted to be an actor. That's how I like started in the industry. So I graduated UCLA. I was a pastor, and on the weekdays, I was like auditioning to be an actor. Oh. Yeah, so those two lives were happening. Any, any uh, funny gigs that you got in the beginning that we could talk about? Yeah, if you go on like HBO Max right now, you could probably see like episodes oh. of me on like The Middle, I the think middle? ABC. So ABC, the middle. I'm, I've been on Rizzolian Isles as a police officer that got, that got shot. And I'm like, oh, really? Yeah, I think it's on Max. Yeah. And then there was a, another episode yes. on Southland. Do you guys ever watch Southland's police show? Oh. So I come out as a police officer. I think I play police officers pretty well. Oh. <laughs> you can see that? Yeah. You know, yeah. I can see that. I can see that. Cop vibes. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, um, I uh, got introduced to a management company. Um, I was at UCLA at the time, it was my last class I was taking, and um, there was this actor uh, who's fallen from grace, I feel like, right now. Um, but he's like an A-list actor, he was in my class, and basically like a squirrel got less, let loose in the, in the room. Whoa. And he just was like, whoa, professor, there's like a squirrel in here. And I was like, oh, um, what the heck? Like, should we just catch it? And the professor was like, can you, can you just get it if you can? And I took like a plastic bag. I, I took this squirrel and I put it out. And this like actor was like, dude, you're so brave. And we just started like chatting based off of that, like based off of me, like taking the squirrel out. And he um, eventually was like, yo, do you want to get coffee sometime? And it was just felt like divine appointment. Like I didn't like orchestrate this, 
we got coffee and he's like, what are you doing here at school? And I was like, I want to be an actor like you. Um, and he had just done like Spider-Man and all these other films. And he's like- Are you allowed to say who this person is or you'd rather not? You know, he was, he got canceled kind of because of like, Recently? like allegations and stuff. Yeah, not too, not too long ago. So if whatever you guys think. No, it's fine. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Who, who's, the, yeah, who's this actor? <laughs> yeah, curious. it's James Franco. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I, can, I can just- like you know, he he's been canceled for a while, but I think he's okay now. He's okay now, right? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Yeah, but yeah. So I'll just rephrase it. Like, yeah. So in the class was James Franco, uh, and at the time, this was bef way before he was in trouble. I'll say it like that. So <laughs> use that sound clip. Um, and then like the squirrel was like right next to his foot, and he just was like, "Oh, I'm gonna get security." So I saved him, and we just had this conversation. He's like, "Why are you in school? I want to be an actor like you." And he literally just was like, oh, take this number down. That's my manager. I called the number. I was like, hey, James Franco from my class wanted me to call. And they represented me as their a client for like the next like five, six years. And Whoa. Genevieve Penn, who was my manager, like we, we still keep in touch. She's an amazing woman. Wow. But she's also a woman of God. Um, so um, 2014, that management group disbanded. I started seminary. I saw that as a sign of like, okay, I'm putting acting down. I'm not going to be doing that. Plus, I, would, I wasn't like getting called into auditions or anything, like as much as I thought I would be. And I started this journey into seminary. Um, and it was just mind blowing how these professors were seeing the Bible um, and the way that they would like apply it to ethics and the, you know, like, real existential stuff that we were going through as a society. And at the same time, I went to therapy for the first time in my life consistently. They would give 10 sessions for free for students. Wow. So I would do 10 sessions, then I'd sign up again, get another 10 sessions. <laughs> then I would sign up again, then another 10 sessions. And eventually like, I was like, okay, enough with this free 10 sessions. I just decided to go all in to like therapy. And it was wild, I was learning about the creator of the universe and his story through the Bible. And I was also learning about myself as a creation of this creator. Mm. And like, I was going deep into both. And I felt like the biggest like transformative moments of my life was at seminary. Um, Cause I, I got to know who Kenneth was and mm. realized I had a lot, a lot of baggage, a lot of pain, a lot of um, darkness that I was running away from. Um, you know, I experienced abuse, I experienced um, traumatic things, um, both physical and verbal. And um, the, up until seminary, the gospel that people would preach to me was like, hey, let this be a Band-Aid over the pain. Let this be a magical formula that you say and you have a prayer and boom, like you're not gonna, you don't have to face these things. Seminary said, no, no, no. Christ actually takes you deeper right to the pain. He says, let's face this together. Mm. And so uh, that's what like really like fascinated me about some of the darker things in the Bible and why they're in there. Some of these stories that if you hear about this woman who was raped like all evening, was chopped into 12 pieces. Her body was sent out to different parts of Israel and it causes the first civil war in Israel. Like that's in the Bible. Uh, people who are possessed in the Bible, like, you know, stories of people who are possessed, that's in the Bible. And there's so many dark stories. And thinking about my story 
and the ways God helped me face my darkness and meet me in the darkness helped me really reframe how theology is seen uh, for me. Well, that's powerful. Yeah. How, how did you have this um, sense of self-awareness even to think about you needing therapy to you feeling like you were masking your pain. Um, I mean, cause those things, I don't know, that's not, I don't feel like normal people, people don't normally just have this self-awareness. Like, I think I need to check myself into therapy. Cause oftentimes if you have somebody in your life that like asks you these questions and like, oh, have you ever thought of like maybe talking to someone about this? Like, where is where was this sense of like, I need to unpack what's going on inside me? How did you have that? Yeah, that's such a great question. Cause like, I think 80% of things that we do per day, it's just reactive and mm -hmm. it's just part of a, uh, this cycle that you've built. And so making new choices takes a tremendous amount of effort and awareness. And what I started realizing for me was I would get so reactive whenever someone was pulling from me, I'm like, no, 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 why are you pulling away? Or if somebody was like, I felt was like slighting me that I would get really defensive really fast and it would hurt kind of um, the people around me. Mm. And I, was, I would blame them. I'd be like, oh, I'm acting like this because you treated me this way. But what I didn't realize until I went to therapy or sorry, that prompted me to go to therapy was I kind of just had this aha moment where it's like, dude, why do I get so angry so quick, so defensive so quick? Why do I, why is this like kind of the, the baseline, um, uh, what's that called, like autopilot for me? Mm -hmm. And I think that's what drew me to therapy was I, I sat down and it's like, you know, I just blew up at this person I loved. Like, I don't understand that. And she's like, well, let's, let's think about like, what was it like growing up as a kid? Like, what happened if you made a mistake? And just kind of going through this journey, I think that's what prompted it, uh, was mm -hmm. I stopped blaming other people. I, I started think, like seeing myself, like I'm implicating myself in these you know, situations. Yeah. yeah. There's so many good things that you just said about therapy, self-discovery, doing things with God. There's um, some of the things that whenever anyone brings up therapy, I always love to like double click on it pause for a second and really emphasize the help that's needed in our lives. Cause one of the hardest things for men, women, anybody, honestly, is really just to ask for help. And we talk about that a lot in our, in our groups and our friendships, you know, we, we always talk about that. And I think, um, there was a couple analogies about therapy that I really love that I really want to double click on, which was when people go, when I used to think, you know, as, as a kid growing up, I was like, therapy's like, oh, that's for like crazy people or that's for like people that don't know how to handle things on your own, whatever, whatever. Somebody had this like beautiful analogy and told me, hey, you know, like that immense weight, that tiring, heavy thing that you're carrying on your shoulders all day long, 24 seven, 365. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> um, therapy is just like for that for that like one hour is just for that one hour all you're doing is just putting that weight and letting them hold it for an hour mm. Mm. and just yeah. that imagery of refreshment in that one hour that i don't have to be so tired carrying that thing i was like okay i'll try it like mm -hmm. that that really convinced me and then some of the things that i learned because 
I think once I did it, I started getting obsessed about tools that they were teaching me because I was like, oh man, I want to remember that tool forever. I want to be able to use that tool forever. So I think that's something I definitely wanted to double click on. And I love how you said, you know, while I was in my increasing my faith journey, equipping and reading and learning, I was also working on Kenneth. And I love that because now you're getting this literally 360 degree treatment of deeper understanding of not just yourself, but literally the universe which is like crazy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Cause yeah. you know, we, 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 I think I have to realize the Lord is a holistic Lord. Uh, he's, he's after my mind, soul, body, spirit. In fact, like I started learning, thinking of soul as something that encompasses like everything about me. Um, at, you know, when you, when you think about a soul as, as a young kid, like you'd think it's like this little detached part of you that goes out to heaven. Um, but the more I read about the Bible, it's just like the God of um, the God that created all things. Like he, he deeply cares about every single aspect of ourselves. Um, and so that, that kind of like holistic faith has been like really helpful for me. Yeah. So good. So <clears throat> so you're now in seminary. Um, you kind of decided to take a break from acting um, and then when did like music i just feel like you just dabbled in every creative <laughs> endeavor <laughs> and like yeah it's, uh, where how did that kind of come in and then even when you hit me up for the music video was that i think because that was at a time when you were getting back into music i think that was what you were telling me right yeah so you even started music took a break from that too i mean shout out to the korean church real quick because <laughs> if you think about it like Growing up, there wasn't a space for, at least for me, in, for Koreans in like Koreatown to go to a place where you can play music for free and there'll be mentors to teach mm-hmm. you, right? Yeah. You can do skits, so you're acting. Sometimes they'll give you a camera and they would give me cameras. They would make, we would make films. Um, and for Easter, we did some sort of play. You know, for VBS, we did some sort of like creative thing we would design. It's wild to think like some of the most creative people we know started their journey at a church, like building mm. God's kingdom. Mm-hmm. But it was like, mm-hmm. it, we, we weren't conscious of it, but I always think it's, a, it's like the Lord preparing us. And so um, that's how I think that like kind of multi like dimensional like artistry, like the, the kind of like the hyphenate of like, um, uh, what is that called? Like when you do multiple disciplines? Yeah. Something multiple like disciplines. Yeah, multiple disciplines. <laughs> yeah, sure. Renaissance uh, man. Really talented. Oh, Renaissance man. Renaissance man. There you go. Um, I think, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that, that stems from doing that, like, I think on a weekly basis at a, at a, at a church context. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I led worship, made, made films at church. The first film I ever made was at the church I lived at. And um, so I just, I just carried that with me. Um, and then when I was in seminary, God was like, okay, like, I think I want to do something with this. Now, honestly, when I was creating music at that time, like, um, like I would just take really personal things and try to like make it into songs. So, uh, Jasmine had, her father had, um, uh, like he had kidney failure. He passed eventually, but he had kidney failure and she was kind of describing, this is my girlfriend, by the way describing how she wants to give one of her kidneys. Wow. And he didn't want it because like it would cause too much pain and things like that. And so 
just like kind of listening to that conversation, I created that song Donor mm -hmm. and I explained it to Ben and I let him hear it and he was like, dude, like, yeah, I'd love to dance for this. Like I immediately was like, dude, if Ben Chung could dance for this, that'd be really cool. So we, we put on this whole music video together. You know, so funny, funny thing about that, because, you know, when when friends ask you to do stuff like part of me is like, man, I hope it's good. <laughs> I don't want to have right. to no, lie to true. you and be like, oh, man, like, what if it's not good? <laughs> hey, guys, for whoever's listening, that's absolutely true. Right? Every time a friend yeah. asks me to do anything, I'm like, I hope this is good. <laughs> and so when I, I and it was definitely I was like, oh, you're actually good, dude. And it was like a dope song. So I was like, yeah, I'd be happy to. So that was, uh, that was I was honored, man. I was Thank honored. You. Yeah, that was fun. Thank hey, that's you. super cool. So I, I didn't even, so you were a singer for a little bit? So ministry. Like, what was the video for? Like, what was the music video for? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I wanted to like put my name out there as an artist and like make music. Um, but it wasn't like I was like fully committed, like, oh, I want to do this like forever. I just knew, I just knew I had to capture in a medium these feelings and these things that both my loved one and I were like wrestling with and I had to just put it out there. Wow. Like I'm the type of person, if something is bubbling in me, like I have to either put it on paper, I have to make it into a song or make it into a movie. Like I think that's yeah. just kind of the way I'm designed. And then theologically, I'm not saying that this is the way God is. I'm just curious, but there is something about God having so much love, right? That there's something called an incarnation. Like literally he steps into a physical body. Like he has to take that love and he has to put it into a body for other people to experience that. So that this body is now interacting with others and this body is like taking on the sins of other people. Um, and I think incarnation for creative people is like whatever downloads we're receiving we all find ways to manifest it but as an artist we do it through songs and stuff but as business people like hey like, I see this pain point in this world like I'm gonna manifest this creation to to process this like download and I think like that's like the crazy powerful thing about about God like wow right mm. Right, because you, I think, you know, Ben, you're the one that reminded me, like, in the beginning, God created. Like, it's the first thing yeah. he did, mm -hmm. right? And it says the context in which he created was the earth was formless, devoid, and, like, it was dark. And I think in a world like this, there's a lot of darkness. There's formlessness. There is vo there's a void. There's, like, chaos. And our God shows us that's the right place to take whatever's in here and to create into this world. Mm. And so that's why I'm excited about podcasts like this and a community like Break Bread, because now we have all these creators in the mm. midst of chaos in our world, and we can just start creating the downloads yeah. Yeah. that God is giving. And so I'm like, whoa, like, yeah. That's dope, that's dope. Mm. You know, one thing that I feel like is a common thread that I see in you in all the things that you uh, do, like, being a pastor, um, being a musician, being a filmmaker, being an actor, um, and then just even you, um, whenever, you, I don't know if you notice, but whenever you talk, people listen. I think there is a there is a uh, charisma about you, and I think it's, it's your ability to tell story. I think mm. that you're an incredible storyteller. And um, I think with that too, as you're talking about like God and the first thing that 
he let us know about him is that he created, right? In the beginning, God created. And um, even you standing up on the pulpit at 10 years old in your underwear, going off for half an hour <laughs> of you don't even, but like you were kind of just going, right? And yeah, and, and that is like a thing that probably, really not probably, God put that gift in you is the ability to tell story and do it in such a way where it's captivating. And then he also gives you these talents where you can um, effectively do it in different mediums too. You know, so I think that's uh, that's something that I've really learned about you in the recent time that I've known you. I mean, I've known you for years, but I feel like I've recently gotten to know you. And then especially in this season of, as you mentioned, Break Bread and everything. And um, just wanted to acknowledge that in you. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate that. Hey, guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode so far. Just to keep it real, it takes time, energy, and resources to produce this pod. If you feel led to, you can support us by donating on Cash App at Good Service Podcast. Any amount, large or small, is truly appreciated. Thank you guys so much. We love y'all. Back to the episode. One of the things that's really exciting right now as as we're getting to know each other better as friends is like even through this podcast episode right now, listening to your journey, I'm like starting to like see just the pieces of God and like how he's like really shaped everything to where you are today. And it's it's really fun and amazing when God allows us to see some of that vision. And what was funny is when I first met you through Ben, he was like, yeah, this guy, you know, he's a pastor, but he makes horror movies for Jesus. <laughs> and I was like, horror movie for Jesus? Mm. And here's my thing. I hate horror movies, right? Like, that's like my background. Like, I, I just have trauma of horror movies. Like, it's like crazy. Like, I remember I was like haunted at one season. We got to we gotta talk about all this later. But man, like, that's where I come from when it comes to horror. So when he first said that, I just, in my head, I was like, okay. <laughs> like, all right, like yeah. whatever. Like, I just like kind of like brushed it off thinking, oh, I'm sure like it, maybe it's just separate or whatever. I don't know how I processed that infer- information. And I was just like, all right, I'm like, it's all good. And then we had the chance to be at the screening, watch your, uh, your short film and for the very first time, because I know you and like just getting to know you and how much you love the Lord, like for the very first time, I genuinely watched a horror film and felt the story of God mm-hmm. and it like blew me away. Yeah. I, I felt it and I was like, whoa, that was wild. And I like it even like took me time to process it even afterwards. So I definitely see God using your talents to like to now. And I think it's amazing, dude. I just got I just got I just had to bring that up because I was like in so much doubt. <laughs> but today I get to sit here and go, I get it. Mm. And it's that. Tr- and you said it best. Um Horror brings the best uh, way to showcase a story of the ultimate evil versus the ultimate good this way, right? Yeah, which is crazy. So I yeah. think that was good. Yeah, amen. I mean, I feel like I could tie this to kind of like the story I was telling about like going to therapy and everything. Um, I'm realizing perhaps like God includes the darker stories in the Bible to um, point us even closer to him right? The one that says, do not be afraid. Um, But like, let's think about, um, so John the Baptist, right? He's in prison. And like, this girl 
gives this dance and King Herod's like, I'll do whatever, whatever you want. And she's like, I want the head of John the Baptist, this like prophet, this chosen one of God, the cousin of Jesus, someone that Jesus grew up with. And the guy's like, uh, okay. And he cuts his head off, puts it on a platter and just like brings it into a party. Like that's horrific. That's a yeah. horror story right yeah, there, right? Yeah. Wow. And it says right after that passage, it's one line. And this one line always like haunted me or like hit me in a way that I was like, whoa. It said, when Jesus heard about John, he withdrew alone to the mountains. Mm. And it was just one verse. And I just remember reflecting on like, oh man, like someone you love so much that you respect and honor that you pointed to and be like, dude, that, that's, that's a prophet right there. He was like, his head was cut off. And Jesus' first reaction was like, oh, I need, to, I need to be alone. I need to get away. Like, this is too much grief. And like, I remember reading that just line and just sitting by myself. I was like, dude, our Lord is a Lord that feels grief and darkness and that level wow. of like, hmm. I need to get away. And I think a lot, of, um, a lot of church people don't know this, but immediately after that story is the story of the 5,000. It's these people who are all hungry, and it's probably more like 10,000. They're hungry. They've been following Jesus, and Jesus is like, who has food? I have five loaves and two fish. Okay, bring them over. So he multiplies, and he feeds the multitude. So what that taught me is that it was from the depth of grief, sorrow, of being alone and wanting to like hold on to that darkness and just, like, just kind of process that. It was from that that Jesus gave abundance. Hmm. Like he's like, oh, there's there's hunger here. Like I want to give, and he, he had it said that he had compassion for them. Wow. And like one story is right after the other, and so I feel like our calling, my calling as a minister or a filmmaker, is like I've processed the dark times and and, and the things that made me mm. grieve. But it's from there, like I want to overflow whatever grace that I've received from getting out of that into the world and like multiply that, and so. That's kind of how I started thinking about like leaning into some of the, I guess, yeah, more darker stories. Yeah. Yeah. One, one thing I want to, man, that is, I didn't even, okay, by the way, I didn't even know that story because I don't know the Bible as well. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like hearing that like pretty much for the first time right mm -hmm. now. And what's crazy is I was sharing with uh, one of the, the sisters in our Bible study recently because uh, they've been like going through a season of weariness, tiredness, mm -hmm. exhaustion, and just feeling like they can't perform at their best, right? The season of pretty much darkness, right? And one way how you're saying like when you're in a season of darkness and then you go into the season of abundance to give back from it, I'm also seeing it where, yes, that's like the journey, but I'm also seeing it where it's like when everything is taken away, when everything is at the lowest, it is the setup for God to come in and just flourish. Mm. So you take all that self away and that literally, there is no other option but God to do what he does best, mm. right? And so I think that was the encouragement I get now when when I'm down, when I'm, I'm not enough and I can't do it on my own will, my own power, great. All right, God, it's now I'm out of the way. Go do your thing. And I think that's been something I've been learning a lot. So that's pretty good. Mm. Yeah, Amen. You know, when, when um, again, when you invited me to refuse the screening, I had zero context. Um, <laughs> but you love horror movies, though. <laughs> I didn't even know it was a horror movie. Like, literally, oh, really? I, I had no idea what I was going. I was like, oh, Kenneth invited me to this screening. 
I'll go support him. That's literally my only thought. That's awesome. And so when I, when the screening started, um, I was like, is this a horror movie? Because <laughs> I was like, why is it so dark? And, um, you know, as I was processing, you know, in real time, I'm like, oh, wow, he chose to go this route. But I'm like, this is the only way to tell a story like demonic possession. And I mean, you dealt with so many, or you addressed a lot of themes that are very dark, uh, you know, suicide, um, drug addiction, mm. mental health, and then like demonic possession, you know what I'm saying? And um, and also the way that you just interwove um, your own personal life experience of living in a church. And then you address a lot of the Korean church cultural things and just the, the tension between being Christian and doing the churchy thing. And then also like sort of like gossiping and, you know, and judging and you know what I mean? Like there's so much of that in there. And then I was just like, oh man, this is like the best way to tell a story like this is to go into horror genre. And so what I also really loved about it um, was I was like, ah, oh. cause you know, as a Christian and as a creative, like I've always, I've always been, I've always struggled with the like, should a Christian do this type of thing? Right, right. Like, are Christians allowed to do this, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, and and so like, it just kind of, it, it just made me think and it kind of threw me off. I'm like, why do I think that Christians aren't allowed to touch a certain type of uh, creating something? And I love that you went that route where and it wasn't like, let me do this to be edgy. Let me let me be this like cool Christian. But I'll, I'll, it's just the way that, um, I mean, yeah, like you're talking about horror stories that are in the Bible. Like, right. yes, cutting someone's head off and like, you know, I mean, yeah. And then even the the story of like Legion, right? Like yeah. that's that if you if you actually were to witness that, it'd be terrifying. And so um, I love that, you know, even for yourself to go that route I'd love to hear, um, were you battling any sort of, uh, like, should I be doing this type of question? Or, or was it something that you just felt very confident? Like, nah, this is what I'm gonna do and, and I'm, I feel good with this. Yeah, that's, that's like a really great question. Um, it's funny, growing up I hated like horror movies as well at a certain point in my life. I, I, it's weird, like, I grew up with Alvin Schwartz. It was this uh, series called Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. And I, I love just, that, oh, yeah, that series. Book. It was like yeah, the black yeah, and white. Yeah, those yeah, are the yeah. only books that I read when Same. I was a kid. So <laughs> I hated them. <laughs> I loved it. Loved it. And so I would like, um, I would read that like in elementary school. And then I think it was in high school. I just started, I was like, that's it. I can't do any horror anymore. Right? Mm. Maybe my imagination was getting too, too out there. Um, but as a kid, I would... I would um, realize like how much I would get lost in horror. Like even to the point where I couldn't like, I, I wasn't thinking about what was going on at home. So here's the thing, there was real horror happening at home, like mm. abuse and all these things. But like the stories somehow like let me um, kind of engage with that if that made any sense. Like reading those was therapeutic to me because mm -hmm. like I didn't have anywhere to go and say, dude, my dad did this to my mom. Like that wasn't happening. So the story itself allowed me to have a space where I could engage with something that makes me afraid. Um, and 
The only way I could tell this particular story about an addict, so Refuse is about an addict who um, struggles with meth addiction. He lives in the basement of a church and a real life demon gets loose, but the church has already demonized him. And they're like, yo, this guy's just an addict, right? And the question the movie's trying to ask is, how can anybody have hope if they're facing real demons, but they themselves are demonized? And so I have just seen that time and time again in the church, even in my own life, when I was a troubled teen, um, go to church and, and this isn't all churches, but the ones that I've been to, there've been, you know, people that were like, hey, I don't want you to hang out with Kenneth, like telling their sons, like, hey, I don't think he's a good influence. Um, and they would approach my mom and they'd be like, how can you be a mother like this? Like, he just got suspended again. Like, you gotta like fix this. And like, so I became a project to be fixed. Mm. I wasn't a, a fleshed out human being. And they never asked the question, like, what are the, what's the context in which he was developed to be this way? You know what I'm saying? And so, wait, why did you get suspended? <laughs> Dude, <laughs> man, I was just always fighting. Like, yeah. I don't know what it was. Like, like I'm sure, like, if you grew up in a household where there's that violence was a as a quick option to solve issues, you would carry that into the school. One hundred percent. Yeah, and then growing up in. Koreatown, Los Angeles. I don't know if it was the 90s, something was in the water, it was the music. Oh, yeah. No, 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 everybody was like this. Everybody yeah. was fighting, yeah, dude. We were angry. Uh, uh, we were it was angry. angry generation. Everybody yeah. was, yeah, yeah, it was funny. I fought a lot during those years as yeah. well. So. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. We would wear our solos. Yeah. You remember solos? And yeah. Like, yeah. Jinkos. Yeah. Jinkos, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And then we would just all fight each other. It was just really yeah. wild. Yeah. It's, yeah. If you think about it, it was like all of us, whatever we were dealing at home, yeah. we were letting it loose into the playground, right? Um, and so uh, that's why I thought the church, now I believe the church is such a beautiful space where people can come in, they worship and they start crying. They can go to God, they can be angry and they can pray and say like, I'm mad at you, right? Dude, they could release it at the altar and then go back home. And that's why I'm realizing, man, a church as an institution, like it's such a beautiful place to, to offer that. But to go back to refuse, um, I dealt with addiction. My dad would dealt with addiction. My friends dealt with addiction. And anytime that addiction became too crazy, they would come to church. So I had a particular friend struggled with meth, come to church. And yeah, he would say things like, yo, like I heard you in my room. Like, were you in my room? It's like, no, I wasn't. Meth is one of those drugs where it, 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 it makes, you know, you, you kind of have psychosis. You start seeing and hearing things. Um, and I've seen the failure of the church, even myself as a minister, I didn't know how to deal with this. And I know that mental health professionals, like they are always necessary to be able to deal with this. But even on a church level, I feel like uh, showing more grace, understanding, questioning more, like supporting more than just pointing fingers and, and kind of ostracizing, which is what I've seen so much, is kind of why I thought this has to be a horror story. This has to be. Um, like that's the beauty of horror stories I think you can get lost in the demons and everything but like the core message is this is a guy so let's just remove the demons from my movie mm -hmm. it's still a horror story because here's a guy everybody in his life has given up on mm. that should be horrific to us mm -hmm. yep. it should be Right. E Evil Dead if you guys have watched the 19 or oh, the 80s something Evil Dead so <laughs> Uh, one of my friends was describing a, a friends group watching Evil Dead, 
halfway through the movie, one of the guys got up and he's like, dude, I gotta go, I gotta leave. And they're like, whoa, you're so freaked out, you're scared. He's like, no, 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 you don't understand. This movie is not about the demons. It's about a guy losing his friends one at a time, and that's what's going on in my life. I can't deal with this. And he just Whoa. moved out. And yeah. I think that's the power of horror movies is it's all symbols. It's like it's all like things that symbolize the real horrors all of us are facing, but we're too afraid to talk about. Mm. And so that's what I want to do with my film is if I show it at a Korean church and I have had pastors come to me and they're like, hey, that's my son. Mm. That's my son. And I don't know how to talk about him. People in my church think he's just like this loser. He's he's and he's like your film like somehow captured this like idea of like no no there's still hope there you know. Um, so yeah, that's how Refuse became mm. a horror film. Yeah. yeah, I mean, dude, you uh, more places you got to show this in more places. Yeah, bro. please, I mean, that'd be I great. Think, yeah, like everybody in Koreatown needs to see this. I mean, but that's also the thing too. I mean, yeah, we, we keep saying Korea, 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 but like, um, I, I don't think you have to be Korean to identify thematically with what you are addressing in this Absolutely, in the film. Yeah. So that's really good. One of the things um, immediately after the film, uh, I still want to pitch this to Kenneth all day long, is that I felt like after the, because for me, when you're saying you would escape into horror films or it would take you out of this perfect place in your life, I did that with like superhero things. Mm. Like I, I had so many comics growing up actually, mm. but I didn't really share it with everybody. That was just like my thing. So like I would be out hanging out with the cool kids, whatever, but reading comics at home. Like, nice. <laughs> like, like that was what my, were you reading? Uh, I read, uh, I was obsessed with, um, I was, I was obsessed with Incredible Hulk. Mm. I was obsessed with Superman, but I read both of those. And, Excellent. And what's really interesting about both comics that people don't know is a lot of the story arcs of Superman is about loneliness. And I didn't grow up, uh, I grew up kind of lonely the way I grew up because I also came from broken home, no father. So there wasn't like that stability at home. And so loneliness is something that I didn't know how to deal with properly. So I gravitated those characters like, because uh, the Hulk is based off Frankenstein, mm -hmm. where humanity is against him and he's super alone. And Superman, because he's so overpowered that no one understands him. Superman is literally holding back every episode because he could literally destroy the world. Mm -hmm. So it's like it's like this whole like context around loneliness. But anyways, the re and this is where I wanted to like pitch Kenneth, is that at the end of that film, not to give away spoilers, but... Um, there's this, cause we talked about, you know, major horror happening and then this redemption. I was like, this is the origin story of like the Korean American Constantine where he fights <laughs> demons <laughs> and he would gain superpowers from that, <laughs> from that moment of how he fought his own demon off. And then that would be the first episode story arc leading to the rest of the show. Which would be like every every episode. This is a pitch right now, bro. No, I'm serious. <laughs> no, I'm kind of sucked in. No, I no like, this, like yeah. and then so the character would like learn from his experience, seek out these like stories throughout yeah. the city, and like and then come in as this like hero, like combating the demons with the tools he's learned, and he gets stronger throughout till he like confronts the devil at the end of the season. Dude, that's kind of wild. That's let's do wild. this. <laughs> let's do this, man. Dude, I would like, dude, because like Constantine was one of my favorite. I actually really enjoyed the yeah. story. The co the comics are really good, by the way, and I love the superhero element they brought with like faith, 
Because faith is such, again, a battle of good and evil. And that's where I got my battle of good and evil was superheroes. And the heroes would always win after this turmoil. So I saw your film in the after, after the film ended, I was like, this would be a sick origin story of a hero. Dude, I'm down. That's awesome. That sounds pretty tight. (laughs) That sounds really cool. Yeah. Um, but let's go write it right now. So with, with, uh, refuse here. So it was a short, Yes. Uh, but you are currently writing the feature length, right? Yeah. My co-director and co-writer, David Lee, we are, we just wrote, I think the 1.5 version of the features. It's about 90 pages. We gave it in for notes. We got notes. So this week, actually yesterday, we were just like, you know, typing away and like tightening the story. Mm. And then, uh, yeah. And then we'll, it's a fully independent project. So we're probably going to go into production very soon. Actually, you guys have, uh, funding, everything secured. Already? Uh, we have part of it. We have parts of the funding, uh, and, uh, we have a lot of interested parties. Um, obviously there's a strike, right? So we, at first, the interested parties were affiliated with like SAG and WGA and all that. So, um, right now we just decided to like, um, like do funding and stuff like independent and um dope yeah yeah so it's gonna yeah. be a really great project yeah and speaking of projects let's segue into the another project which is a story series that you've been writing yeah yeah i'd love to know more about that and the this whole world of writing you're doing i'd love to learn more of these stories yeah so after creating uh refuse um I was reading some of these horror. I was like, oh, you know, there's a bunch of horror stories in the Bible. And I'm, I was a youth pastor um, at uh, the community church at Holliston, Dream UMC. Shout out to my, my youth kids, my hey. ex-youth kids. Yay. Shout out. Um, and on October, I did a series on the horror stories of the Bible. And we just went through each one, like Samuel, like, sorry, Saul raising Samuel from the dead. And Samuel said, <laughs> like, why did you do this? And I was like, I need answers. <laughs> Right. Um, and I just thought like, yo, I've never seen a devotional where they would take horror stories, find the truth in them and say, this, this speaks as well. And so I, I pitched our executive producer who did refuse and I said, Daniel, well, like, what do you think of this concept? He's like, let me talk to Alabaster Bible company. They're the number one selling Bible company on Amazon. So we pitched it and they were like, dude, we'd love to publish that. So that whole journey was, I don't know, like six months or so, but we're done. We have a final design proof. We're printing sometime this year, but we have like eight like horror stories from the Bible. And we've got like PhD students from like Fuller. We have writers, we have artists, we have a film critic. All these people take one chapter and they'll like kind of break it down and say, hey, this is what I'm getting from it. And so that book is called um, Don't Look Away, Horror, The Horrors of Holy Scripture. Let's go. super dope. Dang. That's what's Dang. up. That's what's up. No, you're speaking about uh, there's not a lot of um, devotionals around horror. Have you ever read uh, Screwtape Letters? Oh, yes, I started. Yeah. So my wife led a whole devotional series with that book. No way. That's so dope. Uh, with, uh, it originally started with our, uh, our past church that okay. we used to go to this different church before, uh, shout out Canoes Chapel. So they, <laughs> they were there. She did a, she did like a Bible study every week, but it wasn't a Bible study. They were just going through the screw tape letters. 
what it, what is, they, I don't know what this is. Uh, it's by C.S. Lewis. Uh-huh. It's a story about a lesser demon and an elder demon. And the elder demon would write letters to the lesser demon on how to conquer their host. Mm. Whoa. And it would use different tricks with like pride, fame, lust, like utilizing all these different methods of, and it's so relevant to today. It's ridiculous because even though I think the context of it is happening at like a wartime, like revolutionary wartime type of like, like a long time ago stuff, Mm -hmm. but like reading it, it was like utilizing like hysteria and fear of what's going on in the world. And I'm like, dude, that's just like COVID. Mm. And like utilizing that so the demon could win over their host. Like it's a really interesting read and it goes deeper and deeper into the human mind and how um, demons play. And that's like the whole thing about screw tape letters. So she did this devotion. It, w- it became so popular in that everybody was like going through the series that people outside of her church like joined in on Zoom because this was during the pandemic. Wow. So they would like join in like, and she was like on this, like every week reading each screw tape letter together. And I was like, this is dope. I was, I only like popped in and out of that, but that's what it reminded me of. I was like, dude. And then you take those stories and with the origin story of refuse and. (laughs) All right, producer Kevin. All these pitches today. Let's do this. Dude, and it becomes like, okay, sorry. (laughs) So good service studios starts now. We are more than a podcast. We are more than a podcast. We're going to make films. Dude, that's, no, I would love to read the screw tape letters. Actually, that was like my goal. If I had some time, that's one book I'm going to have to read. Mm, yeah. That's tight. That's so cool. Well, so cool. Um, Ken, dude, um, thank you for hopping in today and um, sharing sharing this uh, beautiful um, hand-roll meal with us. But, uh, bro, I, I just want to, again, just um, acknowledge you for... Dude, it's it's really cool to have gotten to know you over the past year, um, and I, I just see so much of God's favor in your life, dude. You know, and uh, and thank you for being bold to share it in in such a way where um, kind of risky. You know what I'm saying? But um, I think with God's favor in your life, man, I think that's why you're finding success uh, in in what you're doing. And uh, but, dude, just even outside of that man um i also just want to acknowledge your faithfulness bro like you you the way you show up um for people and the way you even show up in like our bible study and 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 the way that you um share your thoughts and things like that man i just see such a servant heart that you have um and we just want to do our best to support you as a brother and as as friends and um yeah, man, just wanted to acknowledge you for that, bro. Thank you. Yeah, I I received that. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. It's beautiful. Uh, how can people follow you, and what's what? What should people be on the lookout for? Yeah, definitely. So uh, the organization I work for is Uncommon Voices Collective. They're on um, Instagram at Uncommon uh, underscore Voices, and then Saint Kenneth. You can follow my journey on the feature process and the book that's coming out. Um, so yeah, at St. Kenneth spelled out and um, yeah, I think, yeah. That's what's up, yeah. that's what's up. We'll plug all that in the description, show notes and all that. Uh, folks, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Good Service. Ooh, wait, you oh. got, we, we, before we go into the, the landing of the plane, we yeah. gotta ask, what is your good oh, service, yeah, sir? We gotta duh. add sad, there you go, come yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Rewind that. Rewind. Rewind.
So the show is yeah. called Good Service. Good Service. Good okay. Service. Good Service. Um, we believe that everybody um, has the ability to serve in the worlds that they traverse in. Um, what would be, in your mind, your good service? How would you define that for yourself? Hmm. I shouldn't have taken this part. I, know, he's he's I saw him do it too. It's all good. I'm like, he's, he's, he's it's my a, bad. It's a food show. We're eating. He put, that, he put that right in his yeah, mouth before he yeah. could answer. No, it's all good. Best. Take some time to digest that. So you're about serving the world. What can I? What? What about? How do I um, feel like? What I'll is do good that? service to you? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Ben Ben always encourages me to. It's just to Ben always says, man, you're a great storyteller. So I'll tell a story. Tell a story. And then I'll end with that. But yeah. thank you so much for yeah. always encouraging. Thank you for having me. Um, right before the pandemic, I stepped down from the ministry I was just serving at. A beautiful ministry. Yeah, when LA. Like, love these people. But I think I just was burnt out. And um, um, I wasn't in the right mind space mentally. I stepped down. And I decided before going into tech, I wanted to go into tech sales. I decided I'm gonna go to a restaurant. I'm gonna work at a restaurant. And I worked at Republique. It's on La Brea in Wilshire. And it was probably the most strict, most excellent service in terms of like how they structure things. Like if someone sits down, you go in, you have this presentation, you make sure their napkin is at a right angle. You put the fork right next to it. Um, we wipe down every single thing. And it's all about like, you walk in, you take control and said, this is the menu. This is the steps you go into the menu. If you do this, this is what will give you the best service and the wine that pairs with these things would be the best. Um, and it's this whole team that's dedicated so that these guests would have um, a really good time. In fact, if you made a mistake, like the manager would pull you aside and they would say things like, Kenneth, you know, this couple, they might have saved a lot of money to be here tonight and have a special evening. And so oh, to have geez. had this mistake on their bill, mm. that gets in the way of that. Mm -hmm. And I want you to start thinking of it that way. And I was like, what the heck? And um, eventually I was fired. <laughs> <laughs> I was not, I'm not cut out for the restaurant industry. I'm not cut out. But yeah, what yeah. I'm trying to say is, what is good service to me? Dude, intentionality. Everything was intentional. Mm. The way the water was refilled to even when like checks are dropped off, everything was thought out and was intentional. And what I've been learning with like filmmaking and all those things. And so I'm really grateful for Republic because it taught me like, I have to take that kind of attitude and apply it to like filmmaking. Everything you see on screen, everything I write, the way I deal with the people I work with, there has to be intentionality behind mm. it. Meaning like effort was put in and it's harder, but that makes the difference. That's why this place had like, it was the number one restaurant according to LA Times during that year of 20, 2019 um, for both morning and evening. And it's because they, they took this attitude of like, dude, when these guests come in and they sit down, we are, we are giving them an experience. We're giving them something and so, that's kind of like how I've been trying to approach ministry and all these things. Like, um, so like today when you were asking like, yo, like what, 
like you know how did you, like what did, what did you do today i was like man i was prepping for this man i wanted to be intentional <laughs> yeah. you know uh, i don't know if it came off but <laughs> very <laughs> but, much um, so, bro. <clears throat> i think that's what it is like mm. it's like putting that extra effort to 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 say like i really thought this through and i'm going to like act from this uh intentionality i think is what good service is that's good yeah that's good yeah i love awesome, that man i love that awesome man thank you well your thoughtfulness is uh it's definitely evident in all the things that you do. So want to uh, give you your flowers for that. Bro. Oh, thank you. That's thank dope. you. Folks, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Good Service. Uh, make sure you like and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Follow us on our socials, Good Service Pod, on uh, TikTok, IG, all the things. Uh, let people know that you're listening. We appreciate y'all, and we'll see you on the next one. Peace. We out. Peace. Thank you for listening to this episode. Make sure you like, follow, and subscribe and leave us that five-star rating. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Good Service Pod and on YouTube at Good Service Podcast. And if you'd like to support us, you can donate on Cash App at Good Service Podcast. Thank you. Peace.